week. Mine was interesting. It's a little bit interesting, a little different. Uh, Wednesday morning before, uh, before coming in, Sandy gives me a quick call, and uh, you know, Steve had just walked into the building. He called Sandy right away. I mean, he didn't, didn't have an idea of what was going on yet, just kind of walked in, saw some water. So Sandy calls me and says, hey, you got a shop vac? Did you bring that to church? Steve said there's some water in the hallway. I'm like, yeah, sure. And so I have my shop back in hand, and I open up just that door into the offices and just go splash, like to my toes. Take my foot back and put the shop vac back in the car and just leave it there. Uh, it may still, is it still in the trunk of the car? It's still in the trunk of the car. Haven't gotten around taking that out yet. Uh, but yeah, it's been an exciting week, but certainly one where we have seen God work and move through so many people, so many people. Again, talking with uh, the insurance people, talking with different engineers and folks that have come through the building, uh, their comment over and over and over again is because of the speed with which folks showed up at church. Uh, Doug Van Holland, again, the speed with which he got all the water out of the building uh, saved us a ton, saved us a ton, and uh, was just the perfect thing to do. So everything uh, that should be happening is happening. Uh, and again, we'll continue to update you as we move on. So I get to preach today, and Lloyd asked me to talk about Psalm 19, and I figured that was appropriate. Uh, I shared just kind of a prayer request on like a youth ministry, uh, Facebook group I'm a part of, different youth leaders around the country, just asking them to pray and kind of shared a couple pictures with them, be praying for our church. And uh, the, the unending supply of sermon ideas they provided was impressive. Was, we're, talking, we're talking God creating something out of, out of the waters, Genesis 1, Moses crossing the Red Sea. I thought especially appropriate was Moses striking the rock and water gushing out. That was a good one. Uh, any, any number of stories of Jesus with water, walking on the water, they're like, that's a photo opportunity. If you don't do that, like, you're an idiot. Uh, I did not do that because I didn't want to get my shoes wet. Uh, so we are, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to stick with what Pastor Lloyd gave me, Pastor Lloyd wanted me to talk about. So Psalm 19, if you want to turn your Bibles there, I have no idea what page it's on, um, but I'm sure you can find it. You're all capable adults. Um, so looking for Psalm 19, and we're just going to look at that, and it's it's an amazing psalm. It's amazing. Uh, C.S. Lewis once said that, that the psalms are one of the high points in human literature and creative creation. The psalms. And that Psalm 19 is the pinnacle of that. Um, folks, have, folks have loved Psalm 19 for a long time. So I want to ask you a question uh, that I think David was asking the same. Uh, was where do we find God? So here's what I want you to do. I'll give you a second. I want you to turn to the person next to you, behind you, around you. Uh, kids, it's your opportunity. You get to talk, so live it up. Um, talk about a time. I want you to share with someone near you. When, when did you feel closest to God? Specifically thinking about places in nature uh, or, or in creation. Where have you felt close to God? So go ahead, think about it, and talk about it with the person next to you. Go ahead and do that. You have felt close to God. Somebody raise a hand or just shout out an answer. Shout it out. At church. Great. Wonderful answer. Where else? What other places have you felt close to God? In the mountains. Where else? All the way in the back. You've got to be super loud. At home. Wonderful. That's great. Where else? Yeah. 
holding new babies. There you go. Where else? Where else have you felt, felt God's presence? Where else have you felt close to God? Yeah. The, the what? The fall retreat? Yeah. I think there's a, there's a lot of different places that God chooses to interact with us and speak with us and, and affect us. And I remember as a kid, um, I grew up thinking I was going to be an astronaut. My parents always told me I was a space case. So I thought, perfect. They believe in me. They believe in me. Uh, and as a kid, they were, they were kind and gracious enough. They would buy me like the super cheap telescope, like at Walmart, and be like, look what we got you. And I was a space case. I didn't know any better. So I took that telescope and I loved it. And I remember I'd be out in the backyard late at night and I'd have um, just like different books I'd get from the library. And I'd be like looking up at the sky, looking through the telescope. Didn't look much different than looking with my own eyes, but I thought it did. Um, I was a little kid, and I just really believed that. I remember looking at this guy and just, even at a young age, just being, being impressed with what, with what we could see. I've always loved astronomy and space stuff, uh, and it did not take me long to realize astronauts have to do a lot of math. It's like, nope, I'm out. That wasn't even, that dream didn't even get crushed. It was just like disappeared. I was like, all right, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Um, and so I've always loved space and looking up into the sky and, uh, and considering how incredible, how incredible our universe is. Uh, even our own solar system, I think, I think we take it, take it for granted. Um, if, I had, if I was holding the sun in my hands, if we could compress the sun down to the size of a basketball, let's say the sun is the size of a basketball, and I'm holding it up here just to give you an idea of scale and scope, which I don't think we think about, we don't think about often. Mercury, the closest planet to the sun, would be, if you took a, a pin, like a pin, and turned it over pointy side up, it would be the top of the pin, uh, probably about where that aisle is. Okay, so the sun is the size of a basketball. Venus is like a quilting pin head, so a little, a little bigger, would be out in the hallway. Uh, Earth would be just outside the building. For the sake of time, we'll skip ahead. Jupiter is down on the athletic field. And adorable little Pluto, always a planet in my heart, would be out at the intersection of 41st and Outer. And the nearest star, to give you a sense of, of the size and scope, if, remember, the sun is the size of a basketball, nearest star is relatively the same size, it would be another basketball in Honolulu, Hawaii. Okay? So space is made up of a lot of space. It's appropriately named. It's appropriately, it is what it is. But... All of it works. It works. It all just works. And, and the more we find out, the more we discover about the universe and the solar system, um, the more we find out that it all works. Which at some point, as complexity increases, when we look out more and more and more, and when we look smaller and smaller and smaller, and we realize the complexity of everything at some point, it should break down, but it doesn't. It doesn't. Things continue to work. The universe works in order. There's order. There's, we don't find chaos. We find order. And uh, I, think, I think David found the same thing about 3,000 years ago. As, as David could look up into the sky at night, um, would see a sky filled with stars. David could, David could watch the sun make its path through the sky. And as David looked around uh, and sits down to write Psalm 19, David looks around him 
and sees a universe in order. He sees incredible things that he can't even comprehend. And it all is in order. It's all as it should be. And, and David realized that I think people have realized all throughout history the way that God reveals himself to us. And, and that'll bring us to the first half of Psalm 19. Uh, our first point is that God reveals himself through the universe. God reveals himself through the universe. Uh, the first six verses uh, say, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the earth. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. So David looks up and finds a universe in order, that everything works. And I tried to find the answer to the question. This was a fun one to Google. How much do we know about the universe? How much? And of course, there are all kind of qualifiers you can give to that question. So I had to change my search parameters to how much of the universe have we seen? So I went with that. How much have we seen? And uh, scientists would say, in all the year, we have seen probably 4% of it. 4% of it. In, in all the space telescopes and all the radio telescopes all over the Earth, uh, the Hubble orbiting, we've seen about 4%. 4%. And as we look out, we continue to find a universe in order. The farther we look out, uh, got some great pictures here. There you go. A galaxy we can see far, far away sitting in order. Go ahead. Go to the next one, Theodora. I like this. This is the Crab Nebula. Wonderful name. Crab Nebula. Just It's sitting out there. It looks beautiful. These things like, go ahead. The next one. I love the next one. Uh, these are called the Pillars of Creation is what they're titled. The Pillars of Creation. Out there in space and scientists are finding a universe that works. It puts itself together as it should. And of course, there are still many questions, many things we don't understand. But the more we look, the more we see, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky proclaims his handiwork. If that is not the handiwork of God, I don't know what is. Um, it's, it's amazing. In fact, uh, there's, this, uh, there's a documentary you can watch. I highly recommend it. It's called In the Shadow of the Moon. Has anybody seen it? in the shadow of the moon. It's amazing. It's talking to the astronauts of the Apollo missions. And it's talking about what was their experience like as human beings being on the far side of the moon. As the Apollo missions went up into space, they would orbit the moon. Two men would go down to the surface of the moon in a lander, and one man was left in the capsule to fly around the dark side of the moon all by himself being the person farthest from any other person. And as, it ta as they talk to these men and ask about their experience and how do you prepare for something like that, all these men continue to talk about how it affected them on a spiritual level. Some of them believe in God. Some of them do not. 
but they all talk about a spiritual experience. More so, more so than a, a scientific experience was the way that it affected them deeply as humans as they got so far out and saw a universe in order. They saw God's handiwork written all over the sky. Uh, the next verse, verses 2 and 3, day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Um, I think it's beautiful the way David writes that line. I love that verse. Uh, day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There's no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. The fact that, that David's telling us the whole world shouts about the glory of God. The whole universe shouts about the glory of God. um, There's this commentary on Psalms that I've been reading through, and he said about this verse, Joseph Alexander said, the absence of articulate language, far from weakening the testimony, makes it stronger. Even without speech or words, the heavens testify of God to all men. That all of creation shouts about God. Uh, Paul returns to this idea in Romans chapter 1. He said, uh, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so they, man, are without excuse. That everything we see around us, no matter how big we look, no matter how small we look, we find God's handiwork over everything. That God has orchestrated and and designed everything. Verses 4 through 6, their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. David, David latches onto the most powerful celestial presence in his life. And, and that is the sun. And I think after this week, all of us would agree about the power of the sun. There's very little escaping the power of the sun. Uh, you can go inside. It will heat up your house. We are very, very thankful for the air conditioning in this room, uh, we initially uh, talked to, to Mr. Dumkrieger, the principal here. We're like, you know, we could even we could use the gym. Uh, he's like, no, you don't want to use the gym. There's no air conditioning in there. You're not gonna you're not gonna meet in there. Um, yeah, real quick aside, uh, Mr. Dumkrieger, the principal here at North High, uh, he was so quick to say yes. He was here this morning unlocking doors for us. He stuck around for an hour and a half. He did not have to. He was under no obligation to help us get the sound up and running. Um, and also, uh, Tim Hess, the drama director here at North High, was here yesterday uh, helping Sharon get everything hooked up and plugged in. And those two guys, I mean, completely, completely just offering to serve uh, and ultimate be hospital to us has been very gracious to them. But we cannot escape the power of the sun. And what I really want to draw your attention to is this last verse, this last part, where it says... There's nothing hidden from its heat. No matter who you are around the world, no matter where you live, every person on every continent knows about the heat of the sun. Everybody. There's no escaping. There is nothing hidden from its heat. And David is using this to build a bridge 
to the next section of verses. He talks about how God has revealed himself through all creation. Okay? God has shown us that he is there. He has revealed himself to all men, even through something like the sun. But he says, he says, the sun, there's nothing hidden from its heat. God set the sun in place. He set it in its orbit. He talks about uh, like a strong man, it runs its course with joy. It's rising, it's from the end of the heavens, it's circuit to the end of them. I mean, imagine putting yourself in David's shoes where you don't have your weather app. You'd be like, back in David's time, like, what's the weather like today? Like, I don't know, look out a window. Like, have we invented windows yet? I don't know, I think so. Go look out a window. And uh, that's your weather forecast right there. I think it's raining. It's probably going to rain for a while. All right. So in a, in a world where David could control very little about the natural world, the sun every day would rise, and the sun every day would set, and it would rise and it would set, and God had set it in place. And I love, I love that idea that he says there's nothing hidden from his heat. He's building this bridge to this next section, getting us thinking about how God reveals himself. God has revealed himself to all man. There's nothing hidden from his heat. And so let's go ahead. We're going to go to the next point. We're going to kind of come back, but we're going to go to the next point. Uh, the second one is God reveals himself through the word. God reveals himself through the word. So David is creating a connection from God's revelation of himself through nature to God's revelation of himself through the word. Uh, God's glory is clearly evident in the natural world, but that's not, that's not enough. It's not enough for us. Because as Paul talked about back in Romans, all men can see the power of God. Everybody can see the power of God clearly demonstrated. But to know that God is there is not enough for us to receive that salvation. We have to know God's heart. God has to, has to intersect with our lives and affect us. And that's what David's getting at in this section, second section. In the same way that God shows up through, through natural revelation, God gives us a special revelation through the Bible, through the Word. That God reveals himself in a very intimate and personal and particular way. That God affects us with this. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, our, one of our core values uh, as a church is we trust the Bible. And this is what we say. Okay, so we have, we have four core values. We have four core values. We love God. We trust the Bible. We believe God answers prayer and we encourage others to follow Jesus. This is our second one. We trust the Bible. It says, we believe the God we love has revealed himself through the Bible. His living word given so that we may know him. As his active instrument that speaks to the core of our beings, we depend on it as our final authority to comfort, guide, and equip us for, for life. One of the interesting uh, quotes I found as I was looking through this is, you know, we would not use a textbook from 3,000 years ago. A textbook from 3,000 years ago would not affect our lives talking about psychology, the natural order, astronomy, because things have changed. We've grown. We understand new things. But this book continues to affect people. It continues to cut to the core of people and reveal things to people. And we continue to teach from it and learn from it. It's a book that continues to read us as we read it. That God has revealed himself very particularly through the word. And so David talks about, he gives, 
kind of six quick, like rapid fire descriptions. We're going to look at those real quick. Uh, the first three, uh, this is verse uh, seven and the first half of verse eight. I kind of I simplified it a little. You can see kind of where things connect. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect. It revives the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. It makes the wise simple. The precepts of the Lord are right. It causes the heart to rejoice. I'm going to time out real quick there. Um, When I think about rules and rules being placed upon me, I don't generally think of, ha, boy, I feel better. That's the good stuff. If someone puts more rules on me, that'd just be awesome. That's what I need today. But I consider what my life would be like with no rules. I consider a life lived in chaos. I don't know that that would be a life that revived my soul. I don't think that would be a life that caused my heart to rejoice. But God has given us this word and says, I want you to have life and have it to the fullest. Here you go. Like, here you go. Here, here's your path to that full and happy and joyful life. So when we think about the law, the testimony, the precepts of the Lord, God has given us all of this to help us have that full life. The law of the Lord is perfect. It revives the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. It makes the wise simple. And that does not, um, some of these things I kind of had to look up because I was like, I don't really understand. Like, makes the wise simple. It's, that's like an idea of like taking something complicated and making it clear. It's not like making, taking something smart and making it dumb. Taking something complicated and make it clear. Make it easier, simple to understand. God takes this mess of life and says, I want you to understand it. Uh, go to the next three. Uh, the commandments of the Lord are pure. It causes the heart to rejoice. Oh, this was one that took me a while. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. And then it says, the rules of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. The fear of the Lord is clean. That one, I was unsure. I didn't really know what to do with that. The other, the other five I could kind of understand. But basically it's this idea that, that when we approach worship, that cleanliness, that clean, it's talking about we worship God freely and fully clean. Nothing obstructing, nothing getting in the way. We can worship God without any blemish. And all of this is David sharing with us how the word helps us find our place. I'm reading this book right now. Um, it's, it's way more exciting than it sounds like. Uh, it's simply called, Why Do We Exist? An Existential Detective Story. Okay, or why does the world exist? And it's a philosopher, he's not a believer, uh, but he's looking at this question, why is there something rather than nothing? A very simple question but probably one of the most foundational questions for all people everywhere. And what's interesting is he says through all his interviews of all these different people that that one of the conclusions he comes to is that's not necessarily a question of meaning. It's not a question that's going to give us meaning in life. It's a question of place. And he kind of changes his discussion to talk about People long to find their place. We want to find our place, not just in the lives of people around us, but we want to find our place in this universe that as we learn more and more and get a better and better grasp of how this whole universe works, where do we fit? Where do we fit in all of this? And David is laying it out 
right here. God has done all this. He's given us this revelation. You cannot deny that God exists if you look into the sky. That's not enough to know him. He wants us to know him. He wants us to know where we fit in everything, and we fit in a very, very special, very wonderful, very loved place where God gives us direction through all of this. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. He goes on to describe it, uh, looking at uh, verses 10 and 11. He says, more to be desired are they than gold, talking about uh, the testimony, the law, the precepts. Uh, more are they, more to, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and drippings of the honeycomb, in every way that a person could be satisfied. The word seeks to bring that satisfaction. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, in keeping them there is great reward. David says, look at the universe. Look at this incredible world that God has created for us. But God doesn't stop at the line where it says, I just want you to know that I exist. He says, I want you to know my heart. I want you to know what I love so you can love those things. I want you to know what will, what will bring you fullness in this complicated, messy universe in this world. Because I've created it. I, I know how it works. I want you to enjoy it and love it. And so he's given us this word. The more to be desired are they than gold, sweeter also than honey. And so David, David talks about God reveals himself through the universe. God reveals himself through the word. And David comes to this conclusion, this last point, uh, that these revelations demand a response. They demand a response. Um, one of the things I, I really love and I really appreciate about, about science and scientists is one of the things they say is that all these things we learn, they demand a response. You have to respond to new information. And so the new information might be for somebody that, yes, God exists, maybe they know that, but that God loves them and cares for them. And we have to respond. And so David, David does. David responds in verses 12 through 14. Uh, David says, who can discern his errors? And he says to God, declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. And he concludes with, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. David's response is one of humility. And I, I don't know how you could possibly look at the world around us, look into the universe around us, into the smallest atoms and molecules, and not be brought to a position of humility. And now some people would say that that, that response, of course it's going to happen because we're nothing more than germs to the universe. So we should be humble. But that's not sufficient. That doesn't answer the question of our true place. Because God's revealed himself in this world. God's revealed himself through the word. And God says, like, I, I want to be a part of your life. I made you. Which is one of the things I love about astronomy and looking at this stuff is it's always impressive. And then you stop and think, God made 
me. God made me. Like, as we look around the universe, we are the most complicated things we've found. You and me. We're the least understood parts of this universe. How we think of things and put things together in our minds, how we react, we're the most wonderfully complicated things God created. God spent a whole day making us. And we get to enjoy this relationship because God has revealed himself through the universe. He's revealed himself through the word. God says you have to respond. And that's, that's a deep part of our worship. That's a deep part of our lives. How do you respond? You can respond like those people who, who choose to reject God. You can respond like some people who choose to ignore it. But you know what? To ignore it is a response. You don't get to abstain from this one. And some choose to embrace it, to embrace that that revelation that God has given us. We trust the Bible. We trust the Bible. God has shown us how to find the fullness in life through a relationship with him. God's given us the instruction we need for this universe. All right there. And it demands a response from us. Um, Two things just want to point out real quick. Um, There it is. Uh, Verse 13. I think thought this one was important. He said, Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. I think that's important. Not have dominion over me. David wants to break free from a cycle of sin that keeps, keeps him out of a relationship with God. He only wants, God is the only thing that will have dominion over his life. And I think that's a part of our response of worship. Declare me innocent from hidden faults up above that in 12. Things we may not not know about, things we may not even assume to be, God reveal those to us. That we can correct and put people in our lives to help reveal those things to us. Um, And then 14, which is a, a beautiful end to the psalm. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, which is appropriate as we think about the physical world, the earth we're on. God, be my rock. Be that solid, stable thing I keep coming back to. And then we think about God's revelation through the word, be my redeemer. Redeem me, God. David ties it all together in a beautiful way, a beautiful ending. Oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And so I want to challenge you, I want to challenge you to consider your place and how you respond to these revelations. You can reject it, you can ignore it, or you can accept it. You have to choose. A choice has to be made. I pray and I hope that you choose to accept it. You accept God's love and his revelation to us. Uh, Let me pray. Uh, I'll invite Aaron and Josh to come back up. Father, thank you for the revelation that you've given us through your creation, that there is a beautiful universe for us to enjoy, that we get to simply look up in the sky at night and be awed and be impressed, that we get to look at the world around us and the natural wonders you've created and see how you've created a beautiful world for us to enjoy and explore. And God, thank you for your word that it's not sufficient for us to know that you're there, but that we get to know your heart and who you are. Father, I pray that as we worship you today, as we leave here worshiping you, that it would be acceptable in your sight, that we would cling to you, our rock and our redeemer. In your name we pray, amen.